Love Talk Radio. Finally, a global program specifically for wealthy, philanthropic women who are humble, gracious leaders. Sylvia Global's host, Gil Sylvia, invites you to join her in these conversations with first ladies of nations, households, business, and communities. Trustworthy, live conversations with women from around the globe provides a place for your voice to connect with women of integrity, passion, and purpose. Now, here's your host, Gail Sylvia. Hello, hello, hello. This is Marsha Nelson, the host of The New Feminine Wealth. Thank you for joining us, and I look forward to you joining us every week here on Sylvia Global Radio. And uh, I am very excited to introduce my first guest. Her name is Justina Mutali. She is a Zambian woman who's currently living in England, and she has founded a project called Positive Runway, the global catwalk to stop the spread. She's going to be telling us about that project. And first, I want to mention why I have invited her on today and why I'm so excited to be talking with her. When I talk with you each week about the new feminine wealth, we're exploring all aspects of what wealth means to women. In the last 30 years, women have made tremendous progress and have uh, new opportunities for achievement, accomplishment, acquiring and managing wealth that did not happen for my mother's generation. So my heart is in exploring what does this mean for women now and where is this taking us? We as women need to really claim our relationship with money specifically and also with what is wealth to us in other areas of our life so that we can each make a very clear and personal definition of what it means for us individually to lead a wealthy life, to have a feeling of, yes, my life is wealthy to me. One of the aspects of uh, wealth that I see women claiming more and more frequently is some form of personal philanthropy, some, 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 something that really speaks to them, a need in the world that really speaks to them. And I see women putting their money toward donations, perhaps, or their time toward uh, working on significant projects, uh, and also simply having conversations like the one we're about to have today that enlighten ourselves and each other so that we can keep talking about what is our way of giving in the world, what's important, where is our connectedness uh, with others in the world meaningful for us. So in that area of connectedness with others in the world, giving that is meaningful, doing something that's empowering and powerful, I want to introduce you to Justina Mutali. And again, she's the founder of Positive Runway, Global Catwalk to Stop the Spread. If you want to see a little bit more about that right now, uh, her website is positiverunway.org. 
Justina, welcome. I'm so happy to be talking with you today. Hello, Marcia. I'm excited to be speaking to you, too. I'm a I'm an admirer of what you're doing. And let's start with you telling us a little more about what that is exactly. Global Catwalk to Stop the Spread. Uh, that's the spread of AIDS, right? Yes, it is. And tell us what is Global Positive Runway Global Catwalk to Stop the Spread? Uh, what is it, and what is the personal interest that you have in it? Positive Runway Global Catwalk to Stop the Spread is a worldwide HIV and AIDS response campaign that aims to bridge the gap in um, bridge the gap in the global efforts to try and stop this, uh, the spread of HIV and AIDS in the young generation specifically by using a language that young people would understand, by speaking their language so they can get the message through. And we do this through uh, using the allure that um, high-fashion high celebrities, uh, top models have for young people. Celebrities are a very privileged group that have this very powerful influence on our young generation in the 21st century. So You find that every young person... Uh, Every young person would want wants to follow or imitate the lifestyles and life choices of celebrities in the limelight. And when you say bridge the gap, what was the need that you saw that needed to be bridged? The need that I saw that is that last year, 2011, marked 30 years since uh, HIV and AIDS was introduced into the world, or introduced or announced to the world. And uh, you find that within all those 30 years, despite all the campaigns, all the medical and technological advances, we still have new infections taking place, and more so in young people under the age of 30. And to think that this is a generation that has never known a time without effective HIV and AIDS therapy. And I remember when HIV and AIDS was initially announced, we were the target group. We were the 16 to 24-year-olds that were the target group. And later on, in the late 90s, my own, very own young brothers and sisters were the target group. And now, to come into the 21st century to find that my own young, my own children are the target group, the 16 to 24 years old, and uh, all these infections taking place in their age group, then you wonder and you think in all of these 30 years, despite what advances we have made, there's a missing link somewhere. Either the young people have not gotten the message, so we need to find a way to get that message to young people so they can understand how um, how to prevent uh, spreading uh, HIV and AIDS. So that is why we came up with the issue. Well, that is how we came up with trying to use the the power and influence that celebrities and high fashion 
uh, film, television have on our young people. To think that this is a very relaxed way of uh, passing a message onto our young people. Because most of the other campaigns have been very academic. There's a lot of jargon that uh, young people don't want to be. You know, our young people in the 21st century don't want the straight jacket. They want something that's very easy for them to understand, something that speaks to them in their own language. And that's what uh, Positive Runway tries to do. And so your target group, did you say, is 16 to 24-year-olds? 16 to 30, and anyone who's uh, sexually old, or some that are younger but are sexually active. Okay. And is this age group the segment of the population that is getting the more most um, HIV and AIDS now, or why why that target that group? That is the group, yes, that is the group that is getting the fresh infections that are happening now. They are, there's more infections in that age group than there is in the older ones. So but we have wanting... the irony that this is the age group, this is the generation that has never known a time without effective HIV and AIDS therapy. For 30 years, we've had all sorts of therapies to try and stop the spread, to cure people, make people live comfortably with, uh, with, the, disease, with the disease. We haven't found the cure yet, although we can make a few people live comfortably, but... Um, Science and medicine, to some extent, uh, some people have had issues where they've become drug resistant, so drugs don't work on them anymore. Other people have had side effects where you have um, either it's affected them mentally or they have been disfigured, the shape of their body has been disfigured because of the medication. And that positive runway, we believe in the old adage of uh, prevention is better than cure. Mm-hmm. Now, do you think that because this generation uh, has only known AIDS and HIV when there was treatment for it, that they're not quite as frightened of it as some of the older generations are? Um. Not that they are not frightened of it as some of the old generation are. I think there's, a, there's an aspect of ignorance to some extent because, like, like I said, we were, my generation were the generation that were the, uh, the group that were most at risk of contracting the disease when it was announced. So we know what it was. We were very fearful when it was so shocking to the world for our generation to know that this would happen to us. But for some reason, in the past few years, in fact, HIV and AIDS have, for some reason, been taken off the agenda. Everybody's running towards cancer and some other new illnesses and sort of putting HIV and AIDS uh, on the side, in the corner, where nobody's talking about it as much as they should. And because of that, young people are still contracting the uh, um, the virus, as we still have a lot of new infections for HIV and AIDS. And another thing, I suppose, is because um, I think AIDS was introduced to the world in 
to some aspects as a disease of shame because it's a sexually transmitted disease. So some countries and some some countries don't give statistics. Mm-hmm. And also, we have the issue of mother and child, um, mother and child transmission. But parents of those children would never tell them that, um, you know, even if they know that their child was born with it, they won't tell them or they won't tell because their child will be shunned by the community. There's the stigma still going on. Mm. That's so sad. That's so sad to me. It is sad. Yes. Yeah. So what is the education that you're giving? What is it that your your organization is doing? What is it saying? What is it teaching that bridges this gap for this generation? Okay, what our organization is trying to do, like I said, we use high fashion, we use models, we use celebrities, because every young person wants to aspire to be a top model to be a beauty queen or to be a celebrity. So we try to get these people to pass the message, to speak about it. And in that way, we are hoping that we can um, take away the stigma from the illness, make people feel comfortable to to talk about HIV and AIDS. And in that way, perhaps we could encourage young people to train for HIV-AIDS awareness and also be involved in HIV-AIDS prevention campaign. For example, at a positive run where we have what we call our own signature our own signature models who are called red ribbon models and this is because of the AIDS red ribbon. So we call we call it we call them red ribbon models. And we we have a lot of young people, a lot of models, both male and female, wanting to come on board. And also through that, we, we've also had uh, young people that are HIV and AIDS positive that have come and announced their status and also want to join a positive runway. But in that way, if somebody tells you their status, then you know to be cautious with them so that this, the disease is not uh, spread. So let's talk a little bit more about this, uh, the red ribbon models. Um, let's give people an idea of what does that look like. In in what, when do the what do the models do? When do they do it? It implies a fashion show. Tell us about how that happens. Okay, the red ribbon models. Not they don't just do a fashion show. They tour. They tour the world with uh, celebrities to talk about uh, positive runway. It's just to bring the whole thing down and neutralize the whole issue about HIV and AIDS to reduce that stigma around it. Because when people see this beautiful woman, this model standing there and saying, "I am a red ribbon model and I'm working to talk about HIV and AIDS and to try and stop the spread of it." It makes young people comfortable to relate to these uh, red ribbon models and also to come out and talk about um, how to reduce HIV and AIDS. To uh, it increases to increase the use of condoms by young people and to encourage uh, young people for early HIV AIDS testing. For example. Um, 
In Atlanta, every year, there's a, a hair and beauty show called the Broner Brothers Hair and Beauty Show. This is a world uh, beauty show that people come from all over the world to showcase. I was there myself last year, and I, I met uh, people that uh, handle beauty and hair products from uh, Japan, China, different parts of the world. So what happened last time is that our patron, Dwight Eubanks, who's also a celebrity uh, 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 stylist who's in, into fashion, hair and beauty, hair and beauty, had a, this whole group of uh, what, about 150 models, and this came on, on to uh, a stand that the um, CDC, that is a... Uh, the CDC and Fulton County of um, Atlanta. This is um, the Department for Disease Control in the state of Georgia. We're carrying out tests, uh, tests for HIV and AIDS, and a lot of one, almost 150 models and celebrities felt very free to go and get tested for HIV and AIDS. So by exam teaching by example? Yes. What's been the response? Yes. What's been the response to this? Do you have a way of knowing how many people in that young generation from age 16 to 30 there more or less you've been able to reach through this campaign? In fact, we've been able to reach a lot of young people. I do not have the numbers, but what I know is that we have reached the world at the moment, we are working. We are working on having um, what we call a global catwalk. It's a this is a worldwide event that will take part simultaneously in one day in different cities around the world. And as as I speak, we are reaching a mark of 50 cities that have come on board to uh, to participate in this event. So I know that we are reaching about 50 cities around the world. What I don't know is how, what the numbers are in each and every city. And is this a coordinated thing? Is there something that happens once a year, or is it that it sort of uh, there's a, a wave of activity moving around the world? How does this that go? is something that we are intending to do. Uh, the event for this is something we are intending to do to mark World AIDS Day every year. But in those participating countries, we have what we call country representatives, and throughout the year, they take um, different kinds of activities to raise uh, awareness against the spread of HIV and AIDS. But to culminate all of that on World AIDS Day, which is the 1st of December, which is at the end of the year, we have this global catwalk. Say that date again. Did... The 1st of December Fifth. is World AIDS Day. Good. 5th of December, World AIDS December Day. December 1, That's... yes. Oh, December 1. Oh, 1st. Okay, I didn't understand. Yes, yes. First, that's December 1st. Yes. Yeah, that's, a, that's an important day. That's a really it important is, day. Yes. yes, it is. Good. I want to invite listeners to call or with questions or to tweet your questions or to post your questions on uh, Sylvia Global Facebook uh, yes. page. Or here's the, the uh, Twitter hashtag is new. Feminine Wealth, and the call-in number is 
347-215-6138. And again, that number is 347-215-6138. Tell us a little about your background, Justina. Um, What was your life like growing up in Zambia? Okay, I come from a background of very strong, very assertive and aggressive women, I must say. Yeah? <laughs> How do you mean? Uh, on my ma- on my mother's side, we have a woman that rules the kingdom. You know, just like Queen Elizabeth in, the, in England, we have a woman that rules the kingdom on my mother's side. And with that... Um, and with that, women in my mother's in my mother's tribe always carry their own name throughout their life. Even when they get married, they never take up their husband's name. And also, even in their own family, they never take up the father's name. So women remain women. They have their own identity. They are themselves. They don't have to hide behind the shadow of a father nor the shadow of a husband. I like that. I did that too when I got married. I understand that. I understand that. And you know, some people think some people think that's no big deal. I knew I had friends who who always said they were going to keep their name, and then they got married and they took their husband's name, and they all all every one of them said, "Well, it was okay. It's no big deal to, to give up my name. I, I, you know, that's fine." And I said, "Well, if you think it's no big deal, ask your husband to do it." And they wouldn't. They're like, "No, I can't ask him to do that." And I think women in 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 West Western culture have gotten hypnotized into thinking that their name isn't that meaningful, and I think it is. So I'm really interested to hear about this. I I love hearing that in the culture yes. you grew up, women kept their name because it had meaning. Women kept their name, and they had their own name. They didn't even take up the father's surname. Women had their own second name, separate and different from the father's name in the family. The boys had the father's name, but the girls had their own name. It wasn't their mother's name, but it was just their own name. Yeah. Well, let me just pause for a minute. We have a caller um, who's been waiting on the line, Norman from Atlanta, Georgia. Welcome, Norman. Yes, welcome to you also. Hello, and, and, and thanks for having me on the show. Um, first of all, what y'all was just talking about, I definitely believe in that. You're like, I wouldn't have my mate change her name because I had a daughter and she get married. I want her to keep the Anderson name and keep it going. So I have no problem with y'all say with that. Y'all keep rocking on with that. As far as the positive runway situation, I love the whole concept of what it is that they're doing. And the name that they use is very catchy. Positive runway, red ribbon model, all that falls hand in hand to get the voice and the message out there, especially when you reach a certain age demographic. They see, you know, the pretty models and, you know, they dress well and everything else talking about age. If they'll listen to something like that instead of seeing two older, you know, folks trying to talk about it, you know, they would lose interest. And one thing, like with the Red River models, you know, it's more than just a fashion show. 
you know, it's all about spreading the word. And I think the whole thing with AIDS is that we cannot forget about that disease because it's still out here and it's still running rampant. And I think we got away from it. So um, kudos, and I tip my hat to the whole positive runway movement. Plus, anything with the word global in it, you know it has to be good. <laughs> yeah, it it it's very meaningful these days. We're 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 really think starting to think globally, uh, and it, it makes a a huge difference. Norman, thanks for your comments. I'm wondering, you sound really passionate about this, and you're giving a really good reminder that we need to keep HIV and AIDS in the front of our awareness in the world and not let it slide backwards just because there are so many other really good uh, things to focus on, too, that are, that need our attention. Has your life been touched by AIDS in some way? Is this coming from a, a personal... Uh, yeah, well, I, I, think, I think everybody, everybody uh, went through something dealing with this disease. Somebody didn't know someone close to them. Um, I had... Um, people in my family that um, passed away from it. You know, I had people in my family that lived an alternative lifestyle that caught it like that. I also had people in my family that was um, drug users um, in the 80s and early 90s that caught it and died when people used to look at you like you had some type of contagious disease where they wouldn't even let you come in their house and use a cup to drink water before we was educated on it. And I also had people in my family that died from, it, from blood transfusions. So I've definitely had my experience from all different forms of the disease. Um, I, I think there's a lot more that needs to be done. You know, it's a shame that it's not the thing to talk about anymore so people, like, you know, walked away from it. But uh, the way Positive Runway is out there pushing the whole movement, they're, bring, they're actually bringing awareness back to this disease. And that's why I support um, Mr. Stina and everybody else in her organization based on this through my forms of media also. And... Um, Anytime I see that they're going to be on a show or whatever, I call them and I support them because I think um, it's just something that we definitely need to know and still need to talk about. Mm-hmm. Yes, absolutely. Thank you so much, Norman. I can I can hear your commitment and your voice, and that is exactly what makes the difference is when people follow through on their commitment like that and 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 keep paying attention. So thank you very much for calling in. Well, definitely, but in closing, I also would like to um, thank you for even having her on your show to talk about it so she can reach your audience also, you know? So Mm -hmm. that's a beautiful thing. So peace and love to you and your family, you know, and for uh, for you to allow Justina to bless your listeners with this talk. Thank you. Thank you so much. And let's uh, remind other listeners the number to call in if you'd like to talk with us, as Norman did. It is 347-215-6138. And, again, I'm talking with Justina Mutali, who is the founder of Positive Runway, 
Global Catwalk to Stop the Spread. Her project uh, is, as it says in the in the title, a global project to uh, stop the spread of HIV and AIDS, uh, and it specifically targets younger people and brings that message to them in ways that are cool and hip and in their language and catch their attention and, and, and really speak to them where they are. Uh, filling, filling, bridging the gap, filling that need that's uh, been overlooked sometimes in the way that media presents uh, um, education and um, attention to the HIV and AIDS problem in the world. Uh, also, uh, Twitter, uh, the hashtag is New Feminine Wealth. Tweet your questions or comments there. And uh, Sylvia Global. Uh, Facebook page. I have a, a, a question coming in that says, let me see here, it says, what is the biggest challenge that you have just in this project? The biggest challenge we have in the project is to try and convince people that HIV and AIDS is a global issue. We've had, um, I've spoken to, when I speak to a few people, I live in England and in England, and sometimes I speak to people and they say, oh, but that is um, an African issue. An African, but we live in a global world. We live in a globalized world where everybody's everywhere at any time. I could, as I'm speaking to you after this conversation, I could get on an airplane and go to another country. And if I were HIV and AIDS positive, should I indulge in a few activities? I would leave the virus there. But there are a lot of people that don't seem to understand that. And also, like I said, because people have received HIV and AIDS as a, a disease of shame, there are some countries that don't want to acknowledge that this illness is taking place in their countries. So I have all of these people say that, oh, but this is an African issue. It is not. It is a global issue. It is a global issue. In those countries where, where where it isn't talked about, how do you, do you have a way to reach those young people? Yes, we have a way to reach our young people in in very what I thought would have been very conservative countries like China. China, Japan, uh, Eastern Europe. I travel a lot, and I got I get invited to visit these countries. Sometimes as a judge on some of the beauty uh, pageants because I work with beauty queens. You excuse and, uh, me. You I'm work with what? Excuse me. Uh, you work with what? You said I didn't understand. I I I work with beauty queens as in beauty uh, beauty pageants like Miss like Miss World Miss Universe and Miss there are so many beauty pageants that have come along. So mm-hmm. in most of these countries, for example, the first time I went to judge a pageant in uh, the Czech Republic, which is a very conservative Eastern uh, European country. I was surprised that as part of the entertainment for guests on the night, we had a, an R&B and hip-hop group. These are children that have been born and bred in the Czech Republic, in Czechoslovakia. That is what it was, it was called before, which, which was part of the Russia, um, 
the Soviet Union, which is uh, Russia. They used to be part of that. And to find those children trying to sing and dance like Asha and the rest of R&D artists in the USA, I just thought, oh, my God. <laughs> so this is how global we have all become. Because sometimes people think China. You'll be surprised. Even when I went to China, I did go to China because I took one of my um, Beauticals to participate in Miss World when it was held in China, and I'll see all these Chinese children jumping up and down, singing all this R&B uh, music and trying to dance like Asha, trying to dance like Jay-Z and all the other hip-hop artists. You know that the world is all one. Mm-hmm. It is. And uh, music and uh, musicians and performers have a incredible power to unite us. Precisely, and that is why Positive Runway is trying to use this very incredible and powerful influence that people in music, in film, in television, in uh, modeling, top models have on our young people. Because to think that the, uh, the, the children in a very conservative Eastern European country can try to wear their trousers, uh, you know, <laughs> Sagging, do they call it sagging just because some uh, American artist was dressed like that and they are trying to be American? Of course, we want to use that uh, influence to pass a, po- a very positive message, a message that can save humankind. And tell us some more of the uh, entertainers or names that we might recognize who are part of Positive Runway, who are, who are helping raise awareness on a global level for young people. Positive. We, uh, as part of our campaign, we have what we call Celebrity Million Voices, and this is a, a worldwide film documentary where we collect voices from various um, various celebrities around the world, and some of the well-known names that we have on our theme. On uh, uh, we have uh, Aretha Franklin. And I just love what she says there. Whatever you're doing, whomever you are doing, make sure you're protected. And she said a number of things to pass uh, some kind of wisdom to young people. We also have uh, Blair Underwood. We have T.I. We have a number of people that we met in Hollywood when we came for the Grammy Awards. All of them are on on that film, on that documentary. We have a caller uh, from Zambia, and yeah. her name is Su- Susan Ferry. She's in Los Angeles right now. And Susan, welcome to the show. We're happy so to hear much. from you. Thank you so much. Um, I just want to encourage you, you know, that you're doing a good thing. Uh, one is because uh, whatever you are doing right now is saving the world. The youth are the world. So if the youth are not aware of what is going on, then we have a lost world. So I, I encourage you for what you are doing, um, and I, I, I thank God because you are a blessing. Uh, people shun away from sicknesses. People run away when big, bad things come. They only come when good things are there. But because you have seen that if this thing goes on, there is a big problem in the world. I, I encourage you with what you are doing. 
And thank you so much because uh, when we were launching Anakazi this year in Los Angeles, we had positive uh, positive runway. They came to encourage us, and, and uh, that was very good. It was very positive. It was uh, The show was good. The young girls did so well. And uh, if this is what you are doing everywhere, then I encourage you to uh, please uh, uh, continue to do that. Susan, what was it in Thank Los Angeles? Thank you very much, Susan. Uh, we, had, we, we were launching Anakazi. Anakazi Center is it's a group of women. Um, uh, in fact, Anakazi means women. So we are trying to encourage women to do their businesses, to do their proposals and many other things, just to encourage women to do well in the world. So um, we were launching this, and a positive uh, runway came uh, to to also uh, uh, try to make the women be aware, even the youth be aware of the age. So it was a good show, and Mm. thank you so much, Uh, Mutale. You did a good job. And what did when when Positive Runway came? They talked to the women. They did a presentation of some sort. Tell us what that was like. Well, uh, they they did talk to the women, but there was you know you know as they are modeling, there is that red ribbon is showing that you know whatever they are modeling, they are teaching about the awareness of it. So that 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 is a good way of reaching out to the people because that's where the crowds are. And people, sometimes people just need to be reminded about what is going on. It's very important that they keep keep reminded, even if they know it, but as they are being reminded, it's very, very important. So I do encourage you that you continue to do that, and may the Lord bless you for that. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you for calling, Susan, and for sharing that with us. Thank you so much. Masha, are you still there? Hello? I think we lost her for a moment. We should have her back in just a minute. Justina, if you could, in the meantime, just tell us a little bit more about um, any upcoming projects you have. Okay, yes, like I, like, I, like I mentioned earlier, for to mark World AIDS Day, we are having this global world, world, worldwide synchronized event called uh, the, global, the Global Cartwalk. And this is a, a fashion and music event that will be held simultaneously on the same day in different cities around the world. And as we speak, we are reaching the 50-city mark where we have about 50 cities pledging to hold that event to raise awareness and just make young people comfortable about talking about HIV and AIDS, learning to to stop the spread of HIV and AIDS. 
encourage young people to train for HIV and um, AIDS awareness and to be involved in campaigns to prevent um, and also to reduce the stigma that is attached to the to the disease. I don't know whether people are uh, some of our listeners are aware that. Um, no war on the face of the earth has been as devastating as the HIV um, pandemic. And more people have died, more people, more people than the world, uh, first world, world war, the second world war, or any other wars that the world has ever experienced have died, have been claimed, lives have been claimed to HIV. Did you just say more people have died than died in World War One and World War Two? World War Two, yes. That they have in died from yes. They have more people have died from HIV from the HIV AIDS pandemic than they ever did in the First World War, Second World War, or any other wars. And did you experience, we have a question now about um, the, your, your, uh, Zambia, you growing up, what was your, oh, what was your experience uh, about HIV and AIDS in your community when you were growing up? I lost a lot of people, my own family, friends and uh, friends and family. But also what it did to a lot of African economies, it retarded the development of most of our economies because at the peak of the HIV and AIDS pandemic, a lot of middle and senior management people died. Mm. And that that meant for all these economies, for all these countries, to retrain new people to take over from uh, the people that the HIV claim, whose lives had been claimed by HIV and AIDS, and that needed new budgeting and putting in new new resources, new finances to try and sustain the economies, to try and hold all these uh, organizations whose leaders have been claimed by the HIV and AIDS pandemic. A lot of people between the age of 35 to 45 lost their lives to HIV and AIDS. And those are people in middle, were people in middle and top management. They were the leaders of industry. And you can imagine how the uh, industries were being crippled because leaders were dying. They were dying like at a war front, but not a war front, not even like the uh, First World War, Second World War. Mm. And I imagine that those most of those people were parents as well. Most of those people were parents. Were parents, yes. So that yes. means that there's that, this has resulted that resulted in, especially in I don't know how it is in the U.S., but in Africa. All these people were parents, and what happened was if the, the husband died, the wife would die shortly afterwards because she was also infected. So we have this whole group of uh, orphans, a, a lot of orphans, and what happened is that older people, grandmothers, then are left with the burden of having to look after after their uh, uh, grandchildren, and some of these 
grandmothers are very old, old and frail and poor, and they can hardly afford to look after their grandchildren, but they were left with this burden to do that. In fact, for some, to some uh, extent, this is some, why the, some of my motivation to try and do this because I don't, I don't think it will be fair for the young, for the next generation to come and suffer the fate that our generation has suffered. What is the effect on a country that has a generation of children who, so so many of whom are orphans? That is something I can hardly comprehend, and it's honestly, it's hard for me to think about it very often. Right now, just thinking about it, I feel tears behind my eyes. I, I, it's hard for me to think about it very often because, I mean, for very long, because it's so overwhelming to begin to empathize and to imagine it. So can you talk to us uh, just a little bit about what is it like for a country to have a generation of of orphans a generation of, of orphans what does that does there's so many uh so many aspects to that one you have these children that um grow up with this stunted uh, uh, emotional attitude to life where sometimes they would grow up to be bitter with life when they look at a few children that have their parents and they think, why don't I have children? So they grow very bitter, and it's not good to have uh, uh, people growing bitter in the world because they do a lot of negative things in the world. Why don't I have parents? But also... And also then they, um, there's they also the issue, the impact on the economy of the country for all of the people to come out and try and to look after all of these children whose parents were good, were earning good money to have looked after the, them. So the welfare of these children is left to the, uh, to the country to try and look after them. In Africa, we don't have a welfare state. We don't have a welfare system as the one that we have in the United Kingdom where people can go to the uh, to the government and the government will look after them. In Africa, everybody has to look after themselves. So that means that relatives then have to take on additional, additional people to look after. You have to take in your nieces and nephews and grandchildren to look after them. Like I said before, very frail old grandparents have to be then to be the guardians and to look after all these very vibrant and active young people that just drain the energy of the old people, but also there's the drainage on the um, economy of, of, of the country. But what worries me the most about all of this, more than that, is the attitude of these orphans when they grow up to be older and should they grow up to be bitter with the world, to think, why did this happen to me and not to the next person? That is a very dangerous thing to have in the world. It is. It is. And it sounds to me like it's a generation, not even just, I was going to say it's a generation of kids or a couple of generations of kids who have been traumatized, but oh, I also oh, realize yes. the, whole fam- the whole family in the community has been traumatized, so it's, it's, it, it's a traumatized country. 
Of course, oh no. Yeah, and that's just not one country, it's loads of countries around the world. Well, I want to say this this part of the conversation has touched me in a way that very few conversations I've had with people have touched me because, you know, when when there's a global issue, and there's so many global issues, it's really easy to not let any one of them sink in too deeply because any one of them can be overwhelming. But I raised my niece and nephew for nine years, and I know how hard that was for me. And I have a lot of resources here. But it was the hardest thing I've ever done. And when I think of a whole community trying to, scrambling to be able to raise children, I I get the difficulty of it, and then I think you could magnify what I perceive by about a hundred times, and that would probably be more realistic. Uh, And uh, we do so much, you know, here to try to reach out to, there are so many projects to reach out to kids in the inner cities or kids of single parents or kids who have economic challenges because as imperfect as our efforts efforts are, they accomplish a lot. They can really make a difference in a com- in the direction a community goes and in the direction that individual lives go. And I'm really seeing what you're talking about now as it's it's that level of need, but on a much greater scale. And I, I just want to thank you. I, I this is I get it. I get it, get it, get it now, the importance of what you're doing. So thank you for talking about it. You're welcome. Do you find that what makes the difference for people when, like me, they start to really get the importance of your project at a deeper level, that it's often because it's at that moment when it becomes personal to them, like, they could they could relate, or they they you know, when they see what is happening to children, or they get that it's traumatizing a whole country. Is it something like that that makes them really feel what you were trying to get us to understand earlier that this is a global issue? Yes, but um, I believe that uh, um, humans uh, need to rise to a, 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 a the next level of consciousness where we know that uh, we are all one. We are all one and need to work together as one. The issue of them and us, the issue of thinking that, um, whoa, this is happening in Africa and not happening in the U.S. or in the United Kingdom, that shouldn't be the issue because we are all one big world, one whole big happy family, and we should all look after another. You did you did speak about, um, you, you spoke about uh, feminine wealth and redefining it and what it means. To me personally, I think, the world needs the kind of world that offers equity, stability, prosperity, and justice for all. And and this is where the next person would help the next person come up, either through offering them employment so they can earn the money and live comfortably, 
we have a lot of rich people around the world. We have the one percent that has ninety-six percent of the world's um, of the world's money. That doesn't make sense to me at all. <laughs> you know, and that that wealth, because it's in such a, a little group of people, it brings disaster to the world. What we need is a wealth that will will give us a healthier planet and lead us to true human prosperity, not a wealth that somebody owns this, um, and, you know, they manufacture all these things that destroy other people. That doesn't make sense to me. Instead of making, uh, helping people live their healthier and um, lifestyle, trying to stop all these diseases, people want to manufacture things that cause wars and help prolong wars in the world, that does not make sense to me. I am speaking as a woman, as a mother, I would opt for a wealth that will money that is um, money that goes towards helping everybody in the world. Money that um, I believe that prosperity is not about just gathering a lot of money or a lot of uh, material goods. No. Prosperity should be about reaching one's goals in life and bringing one to their full potential. For people to do things that they have a passion about, things that can help the world to be happy, to be a happy place, a healthier planet, and true human prosperity. Beautiful. Beautiful. Um, you coined the phrase there, true human prosperity. My phrase is the new feminine wealth, and yeah. they so beautifully, so beautifully. That's an element of the new feminine wealth is true human prosperity. True and human you are prosperity, working yeah. toward that with your project, Positive Runway, Global Catwalk to Stop the Spread. You're reaching young people around the world to educate and motivate them uh, to wipe out the spread of AIDS in their generation and HIV. And I applaud you for that. I'm, I'm, uh, feel, I feel so enriched by our conversation. Thank you, Marcia. Thank you. <laughs> so let's mm -hmm. also give everybody your um, website again, and they can go and see what you're doing. They can uh, support you in whatever way they're, they're drawn. It's PositiveRunway.org. PositiveRunway.org, and Justina Mutale of PositiveRunway.org, thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you. So let's have a moment. <laughs> a moment to take it in as I as I close the show today. Um, I'm glancing out my window, and I'm not kidding. The sky looks brighter. It's bluer. The sun is <laughs> shinier. And, you know, I think that's a, a sign when, when something happens at an intellectual level, an emotional level, and a spiritual level. Um, as Justina was saying, uh, we are all one, and it is important to be reminded of that. Um, so thanks, and next week, be sure and, and tune back, same time, 
a.m. Tuesday morning Pacific Time here in California, and I look forward to talking with you then about another aspect of the new feminine wealth. I'm Marcia Nelson for Sylvia Global.